Hey tribe, what's up? I'm certified nutrition and life coach, personal trainer, Fahim Mujahid. You guys are officially tuned into the Brief Life Podcast. Guys, I'm excited about this opportunity, but more importantly, I'm excited about this Brief Life movement and what we can accomplish together. Welcome home, Brief Life. Hey tribe, what's going on? Coach Fah here with the Brief Life Podcast, coming at you from Human Works Studios on the southern setting side of Miami, Florida. So guys, one of the things that I uh, want to introduce into our podcast platform is something that we call the Brief Life Book Club. Um, I'm an avid reader. I'm inspired by literature. I think everything um, there is to know is written in pages of somewhere. So in doing that, I'm going to put a list of books that I felt are, you know, they kind of reached me, inspired me in, in a variety of different ways. When coming up with the book club, um, to be honest, there was very few books that I felt were appropriate or as amazing or as meaningful for starting from which to start this group of books on than um, the book that we're going to talk to um, the author of today. From the outside, um, not only is this phenomenal athlete an inspiration for me in so many different ways, um, being a young father and knowing what that means to me, I look up to him for that leadership and watching how he is a Hall of Famer, not only as a husband, but as a, as a father, as a friend. He's a leader within the community through nutrition and through consciousness. I'm humbled and excited to have this 18-year vet, Hall of Fame athlete. Um, Ray Allen, thank you so much for the time, for your presence. Um, moments in life are things that we can never get back. So the fact that you're willing to share a little bit of your, your life with me, I'm, I humbly accept this opportunity, and I feel so fortunate and blessed to be in your presence. So thank you for being here today. Well, it's two-way street. You know, time, moments, and words, you know, once they're, they come upon us, we don't get them back. So it's important to spend them wisely. So, you know, thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Uh, Ray, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I took so much from your book, um, knowing you and your family for six years now. I went into it with an open mind, and I tried not to allow the fact that, you know, knowing you, I wanted to read it from kind of like, from a, a new perspective, as if I didn't know you. Um, and what I took from it, I mean, I took so much from it that I I wanted to use this opportunity in this platform so that people who aren't familiar with the literature can go out and, and be inspired enough to, to, to pick it up. And obviously, everyone takes their own message from it. Um, but I wanted to be able to use this platform to kind of speak to the book itself and just ask you certain questions that came up um, throughout, my, throughout my time um, with your piece. Um, so just to start off, I just wanted to know, just kind of like, what, is, what, what inspired you to write the book in the first place? Well, I always wanted to write a book. I've always, uh, I've been reading books for uh, a long time, and I know that books take you from one place to another uh, while sitting uh, in one space. Uh, it, it transforms your mind, it transforms your, your, your spirit, your body. And, um, you know, just as a young person, you know, you take this journey, you know, in your life, and you don't have to do anything incredible, you know, by by our world standards. But I've read books, you know, across the spectrum, and you know, there's this idea, you know, that that exists amongst people that you have to do something great in your life to write a book. You know, most of the books that that I've read are about people who are the every day average regular Joe walking down the street um, and you know something that was incredible to happen to them or just the everyday happenstance of their life um, 
And for me, you know, my life for a good bit of it has been played on uh, a, a national stage to a world stage. So what I, I, the purpose of my book was to inspire people to, to live their best life, um, to know and to understand that you don't play in the NBA when you're 10 years old. Because everybody has this notion. I hear this constantly around you know me whenever I say it or do anything. They say, well, it's easy for you to say because you play in the NBA. It's easy for you to say because you make this amount of money. And I was like, I don't, I didn't make money when I was 10 years old. Like, you mm-hmm. think that I was, this life was like guaranteed to me. It wasn't. I worked for it. Mm-hmm. And so that reason alone is enough to like tell people like this is, I was a little snotty little nose kid running around trying to figure out who mm-hmm. I was in my life. And I decided that, you know, I wanted more for myself. So I was going to stick to everything that I did, stick to it, mm-hmm. stay with it. Um, one, more importantly, when you write a book, you leave a legacy behind, you know, mm-hmm. a, a legacy that not only for you, but for your kids, you know, for people, it's, it's your voice that continues to talk you're in the grave like you don't have something that talks that speaks of who you were that left your effervescence that mm-hmm. kind of pushed through this this world you your um, mystery your uh, history mm-hmm. and you become you become something somebody else talks about from their point of view but mm-hmm. now I always have this from my voice you mm-hmm. know and whatever book in the future I decide to write it's me talking and I can tell people about my life and say hey these are the things that I've encountered thus, thus far into my life, and nobody else could ever take that away from me or use it however I want to be, however they want to use it. And then, you know, my great 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 grandkids will pick up this book and say, mm-hmm. you know, this was my great 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 granddad. You know, and this is kind of the life he lived, and it, it'll always be there. And I've been like impressing upon everybody to write a book because we all have what we go through in our struggles every day and just a little bit of what we go through in our life can can inspire the next person because they knew that you did something simple yet seems so complicated what which ultimately led to you know any bit of greatness in your life Mm -hmm. well it's funny you speak to inspiring other people my grandmother did my grandmother used to say this quote where she said you know you never frown because you never know who you're inspiring by your smile and one of the consistent undercurrents in your book that resonated deeply with me came in the title itself from the outside. It's funny because when I, I was like, Oh yeah, he's an all time three point shooter from the outside. I get it. I kind of, but it wasn't until I got into the book and really just kind of sat still with the book that I realized it had a double meaning and growing up. I mean, I moved all over the world. We, as a, as a, as a child being brought up in a family of seven, we moved probably 14 times every two years. We're moving somewhere new. So hearing that moving around and, and how, you know, you had to deal with um, adjusting to different environments and communities. Um, for me, I took so much inspiration from that because a lot of those in, internal battles that you were having that you depicted in a book were something that were real life with me, um, real time for me. And, and football was my escape. Um, and what I found is that or what I took to be so inspiring by it is that when you look back on it, at least for me, what I thought was an, what I what I thought was a disadvantage for me, I really find that now because I had to adapt to so many different environments and communities, it really helps me be able to resonate and communicate with people from a variety of different backgrounds. So having that experience from you growing up, 
having to move around and adjust to different environments and different communities and different individuals. And how have you found that to be something that is looking at you now, having the success that you have? How has that showed up to you in your life now in, in ways in which you use it as a benefit as opposed to looking at it as something that might have worked against you when you were younger? Well, first, uh, the title, uh, it lured people in because the basketball fan say, okay, you're going to talk about, you know, shooting, you know, 2003, whatever mm -hmm. uh, number, or hitting this game winner in this situation. And uh, yeah, we might touch on that a little bit, but what from the outside really means is that um, I've always been on the outside uh, looking in because I never really fit in anywhere that I went. Not because I didn't want to, it was just because of the circumstances that were presented to me uh, because my dad was in the military. So every time and, you know, I traveled, I was moving, and I had to find new friends, and I was always the guy on the outside looking in, trying to figure out how do I slide in that sandbox without them noticing, mm -hmm. and, you know, being a friend, because kids get territorial, a new kid comes around, they're like, you know what, we don't know you, you can't come in, you can't be a part of what we're doing, so, you know, this is, you know, this is about, you know, young people growing up and trying to figure out how to fit in, you know, how to, um, just kind of dive in and say, you know, let me be a part of what you guys are doing and, and, and trying to figure out. And, and I think every every place that I had traveled to in my life, I was always trying to fit in. No matter whether I was a young kid or I was an NBA player, I was always trying to fit in, trying to find the best way to fit in. So, you know, traveling as a young person, it, it, it certainly helped me, you know, as I got to becoming uh, an adult playing in the NBA, you know, you just find so many different lessons, you know, dealing with individuals. Some people don't want to be dealt with. You mm -hmm. know, that's what you find. Um, and you can do your best. You can be the nicest person on earth. And somebody will find something wrong with that. You know, I, I spent a lot of my career reading, and I could be reading a book on a plane, and somebody could find something wrong with me reading a book on the plane, <laughs> telling me screw a book. You know, like that's not something that they do or they want to do. And, uh, you you just have to, as you travel through life, you have to really be in your own shoes. Mm -hmm. And you have to really understand the space that you're in. And you got to stay. It, it's interesting because you got to stay. You have to have a singular focus. I always tell um, my wife, make the main main thing the main thing. Because a lot of times you get distracted. You got to be able to you know, multitask, but you got to know what direction you're headed in. Mm -hmm. And you can't let people like throw you off and, and, and distract you from um, from continuing on your path. You know, you know, just like prioritize. You have a schedule, but what you make important is what ultimately mm -hmm. is what's going to show in front of you know your your face or how your body looks or you know what your teeth look like what your house looks like is based on what you prioritize. So all those things, you know, it kind of, it, it kind of bundles itself up into, you know, who I am and what it took for me to exist to the point where I could do anything good in my life that people could say, you know, I'm, I like this guy because he's doing what I am trying to do, or he did what I was hoping to do, or, he had the same struggles I had and it helped me kind of push myself in the direction, you know, that I'm going on because most people just quit because it gets difficult, but life isn't meant to be easy. And the things that we really, really cherish, you know, they're hard. 
And you just have to be willing to say, you know what, it's going to be hard and we're going to do it. But nine times out of 10, each individual is trying to take the easy way out. When it, when it gets a little more difficult, people just stop mm-hmm. right at that moment and say, you know what, I didn't sign up for this or this is not something that, that I want to do. And it's simply because it's difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and it's funny because one of the things that you consistently say or what being a I'm, I'm very big into like putting things out into the universe and visualizing things. And it's funny. I, I agree. I think when someone looks at your success, I imagine you get the conversation comes up often where people feel like, you know, like you say, you're lucky you were blessed to do this and you got. But you referenced so many times throughout your book, um, you attribute a lot of your success to your success and not just basketball, but just in anything as it relates to life, to hard work. And I really took that to heart because oftentimes, like you say, you run up against individuals who have these goals that we all have, but aren't necessarily aren't necessarily proper, properly valuing hard work and the role hard work plays. And, you know, when I when I came across that in your book, I was like, you know what? One of the things I want to when when given the opportunity to talk to Ray about is where did that stem from? You know, where did that willing not only the willingness to to be able to do the extra work, but also understanding that, yeah, you know what, there may be a variety of different um, avenues my life could go in. But one thing I know for sure is that as long as I am willing to outwork and really put the work in, I'm going to end up right where I need to be like that. The resilience to understand and appreciate the value that comes from hard work. Is that something that you found later on or kind of like throughout your experience in sports or is it something that was hardwired from the very beginning? Well, I think uh, that is built from um, just as you grow up as a young person, you know, it's, you know, you struggle, it's a struggle. It's, it's, it's born out of adversity. Um, You kind of go through this existence of, uh, you know, your, your main frame is being built as a kid. Like how you're going to be, how your mind's going to work. You know what it is that you set set yourself into the world to do, and so it's interesting because nowadays kids, it's not about we can't tell them hard work. It's not you don't they don't understand how to perceive what hard work is. You know, hard work looks like a guy on uh, on ninety five and it's a hundred degrees outside and he's like laying pavement or you know like doing construction. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems like it's hard work, but when you try to equate it to a sport, it's interesting because I try to now re, re, like, position, like, how you speak to the kids now because, you know, it's not really work. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I've looked at what I've done my whole life, it's not really work. It's, you know, I love to do what I do, but it's, it's about wanting more. And so I knew that on the front end, if you put, more in than on the back end you get more Mm -hmm. so i was going to do whatever it took uh to really figure it out because i was always afraid of failing Mm -hmm. and when you're when you're afraid of failing you you just there's this nervousness and it never leaves like just because i walk off the basketball court it doesn't change what my mindset is like i'm still nervous about the game the next day or um about a practice you know about a guy that has to play i'm still thinking about it's it's kind of inside me so I try to do everything I can to the point where I just at least say to myself like I don't have to think about it anymore because I'm numb to it because I just become so it becomes so second nature to whatever it is whether I'm shooting free throws shooting three-pointer 
uh, conditioning, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. And I always knew that if I did the extra things, the crazy things that, you know, that I made up on my own and I took, you know, excerpts out of from other people just watching over the years, different players I played against, mm-hmm. uh, different coaches I had. I knew I was doing things that nobody else was doing. So it was going to put me in a position at the end of the game that I was going to be able to last like nobody else was able to last. So you, when, whenever you're, when you're a young person, when you go into a situation, you know, typically most kids, and even in your, your case, when you, when you have a person that you're about to train or work with or build, a lot of times, you know, that person's coming to you, looking to you for answers, you know, Mm -hmm. show me what to do, take me on this mission or this journey. Uh, But there is an equal part of the the, the interaction that has to involve that person bringing the information with them already. Like you can't come into the gym, you know, and not have on gym shoes. You can't come in here with flip flops and say, hey, I'm ready to work Mm -hmm. because now I'm like, well, I beg to differ because you're not, you know, you're not dressed appropriately, you know? So that's kind of my way of looking at it that, you know, when I, whenever I went to the gym, I, I had all the tools necessarily ready for the coach. So now he doesn't have to focus on trying to get me in shape. That's mm-hmm. 20 minutes. You don't have to waste. You don't have to tell me anything about the game because I already am on point because I've already done my homework. So now when I get in there, you can show me everything that you need me to do based on where you find or want the direction of the team to be, mm-hmm. you know, and that ultimately is the part of life and about the game that, you know, if you come with an empty cup then somebody could pour something into it, you know, mm-hmm. but you can't come with your cup already filled with whatever's in it. You know, you can't take any more information or knowledge. So mm-hmm. um, that is, you know, just a, a, a small angle, but, you know, in regards to the kids in today's world, like, you know, even my children, I try not to, like, impose what it is that I know on them, mm-hmm. you know, what it is that I've done on them because it's so irrelevant to them. What they need to do is find their main thing. They need to find their success. They need to find, you know, their character dangling in front of them and how do I find that carrot for them? That's my job. And, you know, for anybody else around me, like, you find out what's important to people. Mm-hmm. And then you create a structure that allows them to chase that, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's all I did growing up. And that was the mission is I knew what I knew what I didn't want to happen in my life. I didn't want to struggle. And uh, I wanted to have the things that I wanted for myself and I could do for myself. And, you know, I could live a, a great life. And it didn't necessarily mean monetary things. Mm-hmm. It was just simply being able to move through the world on my own accord without having to ask anybody for anything because when you start expecting things from people, that's when you become disappointed. And I learned that disappointment a lot when I was young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and it's funny speaking of that disappointment is something that you reference in the book as well. And, you know, and what I, you know, I mean, there's so many lessons I took from you, I, you know, and even to the, to the, even to this day, I mean, I read, I've read that book three times. I mean, I think if, you know, my wife was like, it's like a, it's like a coaster on our, living room table now i have like a copy upstairs near my bed because i read before i go to bed i have one downstairs because i like to keep things visual that inspire me so i digress but one of the things that i thought one of the things that i tried to take from your book was the fact that i think we live we exist in a society now where people are comfortable seeing how they're being victimized in every situation and as i was looking through the book there's there were things that you were going through that from an outside looking in 
I was like, bro, why are they why are they treating Ray like that? Like it's easy. Anyone could see that. Okay, anyone could see that. Okay, you're being a you're a victim in that situation. But at no point, whether it was a coach or whether it was a player, at no point did you succumb. There were there was always this introspective way in which you look back at it. It like you know, it's like okay, well maybe I could have done this differently. And for me, that I took so much inspiration from that because even in the midst of being able to be justified in your in being or playing the role of victim, you were you 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 didn't take that opportunity. And you know, so to always be able to be in a position where you look back and, and kind of ask yourself, what could I have done differently? Like, where did that where did that where did that come from? Because you don't come across that often in, in today's society. Yeah. Um I, I guess where it comes from is when when you look at two people that cause a situation, you know, you have always culpability in this situation. Like we can blame whoever we want to blame, but we always have to understand and assume our role in the matter. Um, and it, it, it could be so many different situations. And I played my part in every one of them. Um, whether it's a small part, or you're the main character. Uh, sometimes people you, you just don't fit with individuals. Sometimes mm-hmm. it, the, the the chemistry is just off. And what's interesting is I would have a teammate if we had to meet in the middle, and I was ten steps away from the middle, and he was five steps away from the middle. I would have to take those ten steps just to meet him, and he he was only willing or able to take those five. So what what was interesting is because I knew better, mm-hmm. you know, some people don't know better. Some people don't care. Some people are their only mission is to big themselves up, mm-hmm. to make themselves better. They're not thinking about you and just playing the team sport. You know, this is America. Like, I know I live in a neighborhood, you know, my I can sit in my house all day long, but, you know, my house should be a, a, a beacon of hope and a pillar of, of beauty in my community. So I got to keep my house together for the neighborhood. Like mm-hmm. when I walk down the street, I'm very cognizant of my neighbors and what they say and what they do and that I'm a part of, you know, we're all in this thing together. So you just have to be, you have to think outside your own shoes in every situation. And we all don't grow up the same. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of times I'll tell somebody like you, you can be mad at somebody. And I give this example. If you are driving down the street or walking down the street and then you're you're in a crosswalk in America, it's a law that you have to stop for pedestrians in the crosswalk. Now, I'm not going to take any liberties with my own life and my own body and just throw myself out into the crosswalk and assume that this person is driving got his license in this country or he's even from this country or didn't just rob a bank. Now I'm putting my life in his hand because I'm going to step or that this person's not texting. Mm. Like, so I'm willing, I'm not willing to risk my life assuming that this person knows what the rules or laws are in this country. They haven't done anything um, criminal. So uh, oftentimes you see people just walk out there because like, he's supposed to stop. Mm-hmm. But I would rather them me just sit there and wait and see if they're going to stop because I don't want to, you know, kill myself, have be killed mm-hmm. in the crosswalk. So what I'm saying is we, we, too often we, we think people are supposed to do what we would do. Mm. You know, 
as opposed to say, what would I do in this situation? You know, and how would I make this situation right? And then at the same time, what put myself in that person's shoes? Mm-hmm. Because to be in another person's shoes, you'll realize, wow, it's different over here. You know, the choices that they make and the way they make their choices is completely different. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we, but this is, it's interesting because it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because I've traveled a lot in the last couple of years, just go, going a lot to overseas. And I was in China just last week and you see them there when they're playing basketball. There's a 1.4 billion people in China, 330 million play basketball. Mm. And these kids love it. You know, they love basketball. They see an NBA player walk in the room. They go crazy. They have everything like, you know, memorabilia, shoes, jerseys. And when they see you walk in the room, they just, you know, flip their mind because they're, they're, they're so excited about, you know, who we are. And we, we just, we, we don't realize what the impact that we have on other people, on other places. But at the same time, in the same token, these kids just came from school. You know, they studied hard, so now they get to play basketball. When you get them playing basketball, they go home to eat. How is that any different from what kids in America do? Mm. So we're all the same when you look at it, regardless of what language you speak, but at the same time, like walk a mile in that person's shoes Mm-hmm. And then you can understand what they're going through. So back to the original point, I can always look. I'm so introspective when it comes to you know these situations because in you know in my life I've had a lot of people that didn't like me, and you know it'd just be as simple as I was sitting in the locker room and then they, everybody could be sitting down in the huddle and talking, and I'm not part of the huddle mm-hmm. because I'm like I gotta go shoot. Mm-hmm. You know I don't care what you guys got going on. I gotta go shoot because I gotta go to the floor. And that sets one person off. Oh, he thinks he's better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And how come you didn't come out with us last night? We were having a good time. I was like, because I don't drink. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would go out occasionally. Um, but small little things like that mm-hmm. set people off. And it immediately makes you, put you on the outside. Because mm-hmm. if everybody's talking about the fun they had last night, you didn't go. You know, there are times when I, I went a lot. But I didn't go every time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're part of a team, you do things, team dinners, like all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, it builds unity. Yeah, so ultimately, you can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. But for me, I always knew I had a role in everything, you know, whether good, bad, or different. But at the same time, I just knew that I didn't let it, like, compromise who I was. You know, because when you're part of a team, you got to be an individual, you know, you got to know when to have the ego mm-hmm. and you got to know when to display humility. Mm. Well, you, you know, and, it, and it's, it's funny because, you know, when you think about there was there were two things that came up as it related to one subject. And that's be, you know, having a mindset of a champion. Um, and the reason why, I, you know, I feel like the, the two things that you had mentioned about being a champion really resonated with me for the first thing that you said. Um, was a part uh, passage in a book when you have reference that if you're not content with where you are, who you are, then that's really not going to change much no matter what you accomplish, even after a championship. I think it was page 214 to be exact. I'm not sure. Like I said, I've read it several yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and that really resonated with me because my work being a health and life coach and a personal trainer, you try to communicate that 
the process is the, is the success itself. And finding that love for the process is where the true success comes in. Because no matter if you're a size zero, size two, or your goal is to take off four, 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 four seconds off your 40 time, if you don't love who you are now, then that's not going to change much when, when you accomplish whatever that accomplishment is. Um, so I really thought that was telling and it inspired me because I, you know, that really resonated because of the work that I do. Um, you know, so in the other part about being a champion that really resonated or stood out to me was the fact that you had mentioned upon accomplishing this Mount Rushmore, you know, uh, you know, by through winning the championship that you made a dental appointment the next day. And you, I, I, I can't, now I'm probably misquoting you and I apologize, but you said something to the extent of, if you rest on your laurels from today or from yesterday, then you never go much farther than beyond that point. Mm-hmm. And you wake up every day with a willingness or a desire to win each day. I thought those two things were just, I mean, they, I mean, it, I really took them in and I, and I take them with me every day. And I just wanted you to be able to speak to those two things a little bit in your mindset that came along with that. Well, <clears throat> they're certainly, um, it goes back to, uh, 2006, I think. Um, was the year we played out in Seattle, and uh, when we we beat uh, Sacramento in the second round, and we were moving on to San Antonio in the next round, but in the second round, you know, we fly from Sacramento, land in Seattle, and I live twenty miles outside the city, and you know, I go home, and I had forty five that night. Mm. Uh, when I get home, though, I take out the trash, and I'm. Put walking up the driveway and I'm pulling the trash cans up and my driveway is steep. So my trash can is heavy and I'm pulling them up. And you know, it's I'm like, man, this is a bear. <laughs> Speaking of, I live out of the woods, I might run into a bear. Right. Uh I just sit there and I, I talked to one of the reporters uh a couple of days later and I told him the same thing and it's like life does not change. You know, the world does not watch you shoot or score 45 points. Nobody sees, not everybody sees it. You know, mm-hmm. when we're talking about the, the millions of people in, in this country, the, 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 the small segment of the population that sees that watches what you do is very, very small. Um, so I just knew that I, life still happens. You know, mm-hmm. things still, they still happen. And, when I was young, I used to always say I, I wanted to win a championship, but I don't really necessarily like I'm not pushing myself in this direction to win a championship. I'm trying to build myself back to be the best player I possibly can be. And I knew what it took to win. I wanted conference championship and a big East championship in college, but I never I won a state championship in high school. So I had some sense of winning. But I knew how lucky you need to be to win, especially the NBA. You know, having teams, players, uh, organization, all on the same page. You know, it, you, you're really when you look back at it. You know, you're you're so lucky. Certain things happen during the year, fall in your favor. Mm-hmm. But it takes so much more than than, than you could ever imagine uh, to win. So I never set uh, on this path ultimately to win a championship as much as I set to build myself into this guy that was ready to win a championship. Mm. I didn't know if it was going to happen. So I always look back and I said, well, the journey was ultimately when I won the championship because when you even hoist the trophy on that night, 
or you know when the final clock uh, goes off you 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 think about how you won on on that day but really if people are being honest with themselves they understand they won along the way mm-hmm. everything that they did to get to that point is what you think about um you think about the training camps you think about uh all the people who told you that you wouldn't amount to anything all the people who uh you know if you got traded in a year you know i got traded my in 2007 from Seattle to Boston. I didn't know whether to be mad at the general manager in Seattle or happy, you know, and thankful for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all these mixed emotions. And, you know, this almost answers another question, too, is uh, from earlier. You Once you look back, I'm sitting here standing in front of you with no regrets and being able to say, you know, thank you to everybody for pushing me the way that they did because without the animosity, without the jealousy, um, without the inspiration, I can't sit here being an evolved spirit now taking and putting all that into my kids, you mm-hmm. know, putting all that into the world. Like I, cause I've, I've walked the walk, you know, I've, you know, went through, you know, the, the, the valleys, mm-hmm. you know, the valleys of misery. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after 2013, I went to business next day because you don't, there's nothing more that you get. Like, you don't, like disappear off into this world of euphoria mm-hmm. of champions. Now all of a sudden you go show up and Michael Jordan's there and Larry Bird's there and we're up, they're just sitting on the couch like, thought you'd never make it. Right. You know, you're waiting on you all the time and didn't know right. you're gonna show up. Right, right, right. That's what people think, like you you just go into this 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 mountain, mm-hmm. uh, this Mount Olympus. But you know, for most of us athletes, we think that that's where we ultimately are gonna end up. But what happens is you become so disappointed because the well, in sports we say that the lows are too low and the highs aren't high enough. So when you mm-hmm. win, you sit there and you realize you're like, okay, well, uh, I guess I'll go play golf now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's over with. So everything that you fought hard for to get to obtain, you now look back and say, okay, well, I know people celebrated, but. Mm-hmm. People have moved on with their lives as much as they were fighting for this, mm-hmm. you know. And it's an, it's another interesting thing too about Americans, and you know, I'm sure it's people around the world too. But we root so hard for certain teams, even when the team is not in our city, we become disappointed. You know, when it's a Super Bowl, we we pick a team, and you're mad a certain team won. You don't you root for a certain player. But I always tell people when your when your team wins or when your player that you root for wins. There's no prize in the mailbox the next day, you know, because everybody feels like they won something. Mm-hmm. And then when they lose, they feel like they lost something. You know, they feel like something was taken away from them. And that is part of the American culture, the mm-hmm. landscape, you know. But for us athletes, you know, when you lose, you, you lose a part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does teach you something. It grows you because you, you, you kind of wear that hurt for the rest of your life. You know, there's a hard part of your heart uh, that you can't get back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all you can do is take the experience with you. On the flip side, when you win, you celebrate. And I don't know how much you really learn. Mm-hmm. That's why I'd rather deal with people when they lose than when, when they win. Right. Right. Well, I, I tell you what, you know, I, 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 <clears throat> I often create this. I'll have to create this uh, reality in my in my mind, at least when it comes to if I had to model 
if I had the option between modeling my shot after you or the way in which you um, represent and treat your your family, I would go for your family 10 out of 10. Now, obviously, you have the sweetest shot in NBA history, but anyone that stands within 10 yards can sense um, and, and see your integrity. You wear it with you. And more importantly, I think um, your beautiful family is a reflection of that. Um, you're one of, as well as your beautiful wife, Shannon, and your family are one of the reasons why I take so much pride being a, a member of this Miami community. The work that you guys are doing consciously, you guys are shifting everything in a beautiful direction. Um, having your beautiful restaurant, only FDA certified organic restaurant in all of, I think, the U.S. actually. Um, and being a part of that movement is something that I hold near and dear to my heart. And being able to share a lot of that knowledge and inspiration with my family has been something that we cherish. Um you know, one of the things, speaking of nutrition, that you talk about in your being prepared, always being prepared, you mentioned a number of times in the book the importance of proper nutrition, rest, and limiting distractions. Um, and I know that because you referenced it um, early as well as in the midpoint of the book, it's something that it seemed like you knew all along how important nutrition was not only or is now, but not only to, um, to maximize your output. Um, that knowledge of nutrition and how important that is, is that something that you uh, accomplished or, or acquired through working with all the nutritionists? I imagine you, you had an opportunity to work with a lot of some of the best minds in sports nutrition. Or is that something that came from inward where you kind of knew what it felt like when you're eating in line with what you wanted to be or who you want to become? Well, I didn't really work with nutritionists until later on in my career. And so as I got with them, I already I was already on this pathway. So it was interesting that, you know, they were more interested in, in my viewpoint because nutrition wasn't part of what we were doing most of my my career. You know, first when I got in, they were trying to figure out strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. Not every team had a weight room. Mm -hmm. um, first, actually, was travel, mm -hmm. you know, trying to be more efficient on how you travel and getting guys more sleep and not having to have everybody in, you know, you know, in airports, sitting at gates. Uh, then it was strength and conditioning. Uh, then it became um, uh, food, you know. So we started, we learned a lot, you know, over the course of, of, of my career. But I always knew, you know, the nutrition aspect. How do you not? You know, that's, that's the question really, because everybody knows what's mm -hmm. good for them. Right. Everybody, especially if you're performing anything physical. So every person that comes into your 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 gym to work out, you know when you didn't eat right. You come mm -hmm. in and you're like, I'm working out. I didn't have breakfast this morning. I like they just kind of set themselves backwards. Mm -hmm. You know, you studied your ability to get better in that particular moment. And uh, for me, I couldn't afford going into the gym and and having a headache. Mm -hmm. You know, if I didn't eat properly that morning, you know, based on the activity that I put out there. I'm going to walk into the gym and I'm going to be lightheaded. Like I get, you know, I, there are times that I knew where mm -hmm. I was, my blood sugar was extremely low because sometimes I ate earlier. And then by the time I went work out before practice, mm -hmm. then I go into practice. I need to eat again because I feel lightheaded because mm -hmm. my body's burning through it. My metabolism is burning so fast. And so every athlete knows and it's interesting now because so many people, like, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, people are trying to lose weight, so they try to eat less, mm. you know, and they focus on eating less. Like, they'll come in, you know, we call it the uh, fasted cardio or, mm -hmm. you know, working out. 
And what people, I always try to remind people is that your body still requires food. Your body didn't eat. You know, when you went to sleep last night, the last thing that you ate, your body had to repair yourself, you know, while you're sleeping. So when you wake up in the morning, your body, it, it needs food in it to, to focus and prepare. And that ultimately gives you the, the energy to burn more. It's the opposite of what most people think. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you need food in your system. It's just finding the right foods and mm-hmm. eating the right foods at the right time. That is the trick. But everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. And I think as a kid, I always knew it. Um, in college, I always knew it. And I always knew when I wasn't performing at the right level because I would be there are games where I scored 30 and I felt crazy on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was running in tar. Mm-hmm. And, and I asked it, you know, I was like, do you guys feel tired? Do you feel like, you know, we're just out of shape? It was me. It was because I ate poorly going mm-hmm. into that particular practice, that particular game. And so I really started paying attention to every little thing, you know, that I was eating. Um, I cut back eating, tried to figure out, do I need to eat earlier? Like all these little small things that I started paying attention to because it was affecting my performance. And as an athlete, it's twofold because the athletes have to figure out how to eat right because your body is going to tell it on you at some point. And most people won't admit it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get into a game in the fourth quarter and you just, your body breaks down, you make bad decisions or bad choices. You don't realize it's connected to what you eat. Mm-hmm. And then people that go to work, it's the same thing. You, if you if you go to work and you haven't eaten correctly, most people say, I'll drink coffee. Well, that's just the trick. It confuses your body. It makes you believe that you're not hungry, but your mm-hmm. body's still hungry. Your mind just convinced you that you're not. Mm-hmm. So now all these things are happening to your body. And then uh, when, when you have five to 10 years of doing this over time, you look up in the mirror and you say, this is not a body that I recognize anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It just it requires people to be honest with themselves and mm-hmm. really just put the time in. You mm-hmm. know, don't don't try to take shortcuts because you'll see that person, recognize that person, whether they work out or not. And, you know, based on your body type, you know, based on your activity, you could basically you could see people walking down the street. And I hate to be judgmental, but, you mm-hmm. know, what a person has come from doing or where they're about to go. Mm-hmm. based on what their body type looks like. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you, you know, we all want to take care of our body. We all, all want to be fit and in shape. Uh, but for me, I just as a young person, I just always knew it. Like, you know, when you're, you, we can't lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody asks you a question, you can tell them what they want to hear. Right. But you know that you just took a shortcut. You right. know that you just, just you know, you, you lied to the game. And you, you didn't get it up, put, give your all in, or you walked halfway home as opposed mm-hmm. to running. Like, you know, you did. And I think the best example for all of us is I tell everybody this that wants to lose weight or wants to improve their, their body. Go look in the mirror. You go home, take a snapshot of yourself naked in the mirror mm-hmm. and um, look at, look at yourself and ask yourself, do I like what I see? You know, because it doesn't matter what anybody else does to you, for you, around you, or with you. It's your choice, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, to change what you look like if you want to change, to improve it, to do whatever it is you want. But it's up to you, you know, because primarily you're in the position that you're in. If, you're, if your physique 
if you're not happy with it. Like you have the opportunity to change that. Absolutely. Well, I think the you know I think the beautiful I think what's beautiful about our conversation range you have you have an ability to make the common man feel um, like we're all in the same no matter how much success you had um, and no matter how much success you have um, the universe has planned for you in the future. I always take so much from our conversations um, and and I knew this conversation with you would be no different um, absent the mic and the headphones. I mean, I know I can also, because I get so inspired in our conversation, I can have you here all day and I want to be sensitive to your time. Um, so what I want to do, Ray, is we're going to start doing, or we're going to do something in the show called Red Zone. So mm-hmm. it's going to kind of be how we end the show, um, where I just rapid fire actually three questions. And I wanted to see how you feel about them, what your answers would be. I'm going to put a bonus one in there because selfishly, I know one of the things that I take a lot from you is our shared interest in being passionate about literature. So I'm going to, before starting the red zone, I'm just going to ask you on a, you know, just, you know, on a personal note, um, if you could pick one piece of literature, which book would that be when it comes to like anyone who's listening to your voice now, um, which book or which author, or, you know, primarily, I guess more or less keep it simple. Which book would you recommend for anyone out there that just wants to just, I don't know, learn what it, learn what it would be like in order to just be the best version of themselves who are probably out there looking for inspiration and, and, and find inspiration in you and your work and your literature. What other book other than the amazing from the outside, what other piece of literature would you recommend? Uh, gotta be the alchemist. Mm. You know, that book is, you know, you could read it differently every year. You know, you'll, you'll take something different from it. And, uh, I think it applies to everybody, mm. you know, young and old. Uh, black, white, brown, yellow, no matter who you are, I think it's a, it's about a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, we all take this journey in life and, uh, we all want to know that we have a success somewhere waiting for us, mm-hmm. you know, and all of our success is delayed. You know, it's some, it comes quick, some it comes later on, but you have that patience. I think the book, uh, takes people on that journey and, you know, bring your highlighter with you because there's so many great, great quotes in there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So going into the red zone, da, 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 here we go. All right. So Ray, two things that you love. Two things that I love, uh, my family and uh, playing golf. Fantastic. And if you could, if you can escape and run away anywhere, where would you go? Uh, right now, probably uh, Baker's Bay in the Bahamas. <laughs> Fantastic. And then lastly, one thing you know to be true. There's a lot of things I've noticed too, but one thing I, I will say is that um, what you put in is what you get out. I can't think of a better way to end the show. Again, from the bottom of my heart, Ray, thank you so much um, for being able to share this moment in time. I'll always cherish it, not only for what it means and, and, and being able to hear this years from now and look and find inspiration from our conversation but being able to be present enough in this moment to share this opportunity to grow. With yeah, you. I, you. I, I feel so, I from the bottom of my heart, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for you uh, for providing this platform uh, and uh, giving it to, to many other people. A podcast is just as great as reading a book. You know, people you know, have the opportunity to, to read so many different or to listen to it from so many different angles and vantage points. And, uh, you know, I, I think people need to hear words, good words and motivating so, you know, kudos uh, to you and Jay for providing this platform. 
Fantastic. All right, guys, man. Thank you guys for tuning in um, to today's podcast with the one and only Ray Allen. Go out there, take that inspiration and the love that was communicated on this podcast and be liked into the world. All right, guys, this is Coach Boss signing out. Peace and blessings.